drawing near to God. We've been talking about that for a while. Pastor Steve has uh, led us through a lot of really amazing sermons where we we look at uh, what it means to draw near to God. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the effects of drawing near to God. Um, There are endless benefits in drawing near to God. Salvation, redemption, sanctification. Uh, However, sometimes I think that um, we think more in terms of benefits than we do about the effects or the cause, cost of drawing near to God. Uh, like that 60-inch beautiful TV in the Sony store, LED, um, will always look better than the hole in our wallet. Our eyes are always bigger than our wallets, right? It's, we're, we're always tempted with all these advertisements and all these things. If you buy a Mac computer, your life will be better, or uh, an iPad too, right? And it's always something more. However, everything is a cost, and, and I think that our society is driven by this idea, you know, just go! You may not have the money. Don't worry about that. That'll work its way. Just go and do it, right? And um, I think the statistics speak for themselves. Um, we, we have a debt-crazed um, society. I read a statistic that says that 43% of American households live paycheck to paycheck. Um, When I read that, I had to read it again because I couldn't believe that. That's a a big number. Um, But I think that's... uh, Those are are some of the things that we don't process correctly. Drawing near to God is dangerous. Um, Talk to Abraham, who was entrusted to be the father of all these nations. Uh, Talk to Moses who was confronted in the, the burning bush about leading uh, a whole nation out of Egypt without even having proper training in uh, public speaking. Uh, talk about being led out of your comfort zone. Or even I thought of Felix Mons. Those who don't know who Felix Mons is, he's one of the founder, founding fathers of our Anabaptist culture. And, uh, and he knew going into this, the consequences may mean he may die. As a Christian back then, to believe the certain things that the Anabaptists, the radicals, believed were, were controversial ideas, but to us, they're, they're normal biblical truths. But back then, he was, uh, he was martyred for that belief. The Church of North America is the safest church in the world. We don't have a whole lot to worry about. We have a lot of freedoms, and... And so we can freely worship, which is great. However, the problem comes in when we sort of take the blessings about drawing near to God and we just sort of keep it to ourselves. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that following Jesus is going to be safe. Following Jesus may mean you have to get out of your comfort bubble and your comfort zone, that safe padded area in your life. Um, sometimes the Bible, sometimes following Jesus, following in his footsteps may mean stepping out. Just like Peter, when he was in the boat with the rest of the disciples in Matthew uh, 14, 25 to 31. Let's look at that a little bit. Okay, let's just see here. 
having a little bit of Mac problems here, which is very rare. I'm sure Ike would love to be here right now and say, Aha, told you so, you should have got a PC. Good old Ike. Just going to quickly get out of here. Well, we, I can do with that a little bit later. Stepping out of the boat, we re- if you have your Bibles... Uh, you shouldn't rely on this anyway. You should bring your Bibles to church. Uh, Matthew 14:25 to 31. Let's uh, look at that. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. Lord, if it's you, and Peter sort of just steps out of his zone here, and is uh, like, Lord, if it is you, uh, tell me to come out, uh, come to you on the water. You know, isn't it funny how, like, when someone is leading a ministry, it always looks, you know, it always looks a whole lot more fun, right? You're like, wow, that looks like, and, and you're seeing the benefits of this, and, and you're like, wow, I wonder if I should get involved. I would like to get involved, but, but whenever someone else is doing it, it always looks like everything is honky-dory, everything is great. Um, so Jesus says, come. And, uh, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. How easily do we give up after pursuing God's will for our lives? I think this would almost be more difficult to, as, you, as you get older, right? When you're younger, you don't have as many responsibilities and stuff, and so it's easier to go on short-term mission trips. But how easy is it? What gust of wind scares you to walk closer to Jesus and sink in the lack of faith? Money? Insecurity? You know, what, what are other people going to think? I'm, I'm too uneducated. I'm not educated enough. I'm sorry, but education in many respects, and hear me out, is overrated. Jesus called a core of people together who were uneducated, they were insecure, minimum wage people, ordinary people, and he left the gospel with them. Not the trained and educated Pharisees. He needed people who were moldable and shapeable. Now, my little disclaimer to that is to say that education is incredibly important. Just... Not important enough to ignore God's calling in your life. See, education, even something as cool and as, and as resourceful as education can become a barrier for us to follow God into the danger zone. As we read on, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Jesus didn't say, oh man, you should have been treading a little a little bit more, you would have stayed up better. Or uh, he didn't say, oh, you, uh, you should have made eye contact with me because you would have been focusing on me, and then you would have stayed up better. He didn't focus on what Peter could do, okay? He addressed the core issue, which was doubting God's power in our lives and surrendering complete control. And I'll tell you this, I know from my own life, it is very, very easy to get away with this. It's very easy to, to not have to give God control. 
And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Isn't it funny that out of all the disciples, out of all those people in that boat, that, uh, that Peter was the only one to get out? I'm sorry, if I was in that boat and my buddy started walking on water and I thought it was doable, I'd be the first one to go out there and start running with him. Hey, wait up, wait up, wait up. This, this looks like fun. You know, as kids, you know, we would see a dangerous thing where it would be like uh, you would jump from certain high heights and you'd be like, uh, I don't know, right? And it's always the first guy, the daring kid who goes up there. In my case, it was this guy, Corny Friesen. We would be like, the ice looks really thin. We'd all look at Corny and Corny would be like, all right. He'd run across, boof, all right, let's not do it. Or sometimes he would run across and it wouldn't break. It would be, okay, it's safe. And we'd go out there, right? I find it so interesting that only, only Peter went out, went out into the water. Um, but uh, interesting. There's so many opportunities to serve. Um, we assume someone else is going to do it, right? When, when uh, Susie Redekop and Maggie Friesen come back from China, excited and on fire, how many of us will catch that flame and then go as well? I know people have responsibilities, and overseas missions isn't for everybody, but sometimes I wonder if it's for a lot more people than we have going. It says in James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 4.17 says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. These verses would be great verses to put over your doorway or put in front of your mirror every morning. Just as a challenge to live for Jesus. Just as a challenge for action. However, doing what the Bible says means that we are to stand out and, and be passionate and radical. To be radical. What does that mean? Radicalism is, is, is just being immersed in something full force, not caring about all the consequences. You know, we, we think of radicals, we think of Islamic radicals, and that's sort of a negative, uh, negative picture for us. But we think of like uh, a jihadist, you know, a person who is willing to give their life, strap a bomb to themselves, and, and just and, and, and destroy their body along with innocent civilians. You know, we think in terms of that, like they're radical, but they believe full force in what they, in, in, uh, in the Quran, and they, and they assume, they, they believe that this is what they need to do in order to, in order to live out their faith. It's interesting how, how they will do that, and then us as Christians will often not even take fundamental truths of the Bible and, and take those things seriously. When the cost is so incredibly minimal, God is not saying for us to go do that. And then, you know, one of the challenges of, of, of a message like this is that you don't want to throw something out there and, and place obligations on people and on yourself and say, well, I guess I, guess I should go out there and, uh, uh, you know, see if... Uh, mission, uh, like overseas missions, or maybe uh, a ministry opportunity I've been avoiding, maybe I should do it, and, have, and, f- and do it out of being guilted to do that. Instead, we need to be consumed by love, and through that love, we want to become a small group leader. Why? Because we love Jesus so much, and we just feel so compelled to do that. We just see, we 
feel the need to express ourselves and to go out there and take those roles as a result of love. You know, God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. He responded by doing that. And we don't need to go far to see even in our own lives us doing that. You know, even when a guy is pursuing a girl. You know, we, um, he will make certain sacrifices in order to get that girl. He will even change the way he dresses. You know, suddenly that turtleneck he wasn't interested in before, he will wear that instead of that grease-stained shirt uh, just so that he can impress that girl. He's going to make that sacrifice. I've even heard of guys changing the music they listen to. Some even have to listen to country because the girl listens to country. That's radical thinking. I'm being a little facetious here, but you get what I'm saying. When you're compelled by love and, you, and you're pursuing, you will, do, you will do things that are radical in order to get close to that person, in order to, to get close to God. Sometimes you've got to do these radical things because you just become so infatuated, so in love with God and so compelled by His sacrifice to us that we do things like going to China to teach English and be a light to those areas in the world. God calls us to be radical. Some of us have families and mortgages and jobs you have to consider. And then you look at that and you're like, oh man, this seems impossible. Well, guess what? Luke 18.27 says, Jesus says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And if that isn't good enough for you, um, actually, I even have this on the screen here cheat a little bit. This couple here, I took this picture, a good friend of mine, Henry and Tina Redekop. Um, a few years ago, uh, he was a successful dispatcher for a fertilizer sales company. Um, he was making about $55,000 a year, um, and he showed a lot of promise. And uh, he was making, um, and him and Tina were involved in a lot of the ministries in the church, and they realized that, they sh- that, that with their gifts, that, that they, needed to be more, they needed more biblical training in order to pursue uh, deep, deeper into their ministries. And so then they started looking at going to Steinbeck Bible College, where I ended up meeting them. However, there were a lot of fears that they had. Following Jesus down this path was not an easy decision to make. He was well into his 30s. A lot of people go to SBC are, you know, in their late teens or 20s. He had six children. How in the world are you going to pick up six children and, and move out there? And, uh, and he only had a grade six education in an old colony school in Mexico. So there were obstacles for him. He had to really hash through this. This was not an easy decision for him to make. However, he believed in a radical living of Jesus and so he, and he and that's exactly what he did. He ended up going to SBC, and uh, it was an honor for me to get to know this family. Marie and I fell in love with them immediately, and uh, just hearing their heart and where God was leading them through those years was just incredibly encouraging. And then I asked them, I'm like, with all this biblical training now and and, and hearing your heart, where are you going to serve now? And I remember that look he gave Tina. He gave a little smile, a little smirk. He's like, you know what? 
coming here and having all this. And I was going to finish this sentence. You're going to go back to your church and serve and become the head of that ministry. He said, no, I'm, we, we feel really led towards maybe going to a South American, South Central American uh, country and just ministering to the old colony Mennonites there. My jaw was dropped. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, that just, to me, it didn't even compute because the sacrifices that made it go to SBC are nothing compared to a lot of the sacrifices they'd have to, to, um, to make to um, minister to old colony Mennonites. But that's what God laid on their heart. And as they're about to graduate from SBC, Henry was telling me that he actually even got a, um, uh, a job offer at another church, another ministry opportunity. This was a well-established church that would have paid him very well, and he would have been doing the very things that he was learning about in SBC. However, he turned it down because that wasn't where God was leading him. And what happened then is an opportunity shot up in Belize where they needed a, a, a full-time pastor at Shipyard, and that's exactly where he went, and that's exactly where he's serving today. And, uh, and just going there, when we went to Belize, I got to connect with them, and I was so incredibly encouraged. Here's a family who's living in a, in a home, in a community. This community does not have electricity. Most of the vehicles are horse and buggy, and, and they just seem so incredibly on fire for God. And I'm like, wow, what a dangerous life. And I couldn't help but just think to myself, oh, I would love to have something like that. Trusting in God is easy when you're not doing a whole lot. You don't really need to sacrifice a bunch. But, it, but it's when we become vulnerable that God starts to move things, move the mountains in our lives. Maybe the plan we had for our lives wasn't exactly what God wanted for our lives. God wants us to make them first move. He's waiting for you. In a sense, he's daring you to take the initiative, to take the first step. In Exodus 13:21, we see Moses. He stretched out his hand. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. God did not need to wait in order for Moses to do this. Actually, if, if Moses did this, a very epic way, and nothing happened, that would have been a little embarrassing. I mean, oh, just kidding. You know? um, but God, every, all the eyes were on Moses, and he's like, and it was divided. God wanted Moses to take the initiative to make the first move. Joshua 3.13. Now, Israel, about to enter the promised land, was crossing the Jordan. And as soon as the priests, who, and it says, and uh, 3.13 says, And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all, all of the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and, and stand up in a heap. So the waters would not be divided until they would actually walk towards the water as if there's nothing there. God was waiting for them to take the first move, take the first initiative, to take the step of faith. And I always think about the Indiana Jones movie where, um, where uh, uh, the Holy Grail, where in order to reach the Holy Grail, uh, Indiana Jones hits a, uh, a point where there's a huge cavern. And, and from here to the wall, he needed to walk across in order to reach the opening. 
and to reach the, uh, the, the Holy Grail. But in order to do that, he had to walk across. He couldn't see it, but there was like an invisible bridge going to that end. And the only way to walk it was to just walk by blind faith. He took the initiative, and there was a bridge that he couldn't see, and then he walked across. That's what God is calling us to do. God wants to use us to our full potential. He wants us to be the salt of the world. But where we live, there's very little resistance to our faith. And so for us, we don't feel as, a, as there's much of a dire need a lot of times. We are blessed with the incomprehensible freedoms uh, that, you know, uh, that... Whatever, And in that freedom, we have become weakened as a universal church because we take the blessings that God has given us by drawing near to Him for granted. We don't feel the need to trust in God because we simply, we don't have to. We can sneak into church and sort of blend in with the crowd and, and do some of the things and then we can go without even having to sacrifice a whole lot. It's just pretty much... People ask you if you're a Christian. Yep, that's what I believe. Well, what are you doing about that? How are you stepping out of that comfort zone? How are you living out what you believe? Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they had to trust God with everything. Even the food. And if they tried to store up the food in one day, it would just rot. So God was literally looking after their daily needs. And I I picture God is being almost excited to do this. Oh, giddy. This is my people, and they are relying on me. You know, they trust me, and I meet their needs. That's such a, that's the relationship that God wants with his people, to have this incredible, radical belief that God is actually going to do what he says. That he's going to follow through with his love, as if his son dying on the cross wasn't proof enough. Being dangerous in your spiritual walk means stepping out of your comfort bubble, out of your comfort zone. To some of you, it may mean inviting a person over for a meal that you normally wouldn't invite. That could be radical for some of you. Uh, For some of you, it's reaching out to the less popular kids in high school and treating them with dignity. I know that sounds sort of a a basic thing to do, but... um, But still to this day, even Christians in high school are sort of fitting in with everyone else and not making a simple difference in other teens' lives. Or for you who are working, it could be as simple as reaching out and uh, witnessing to people at your workplace, building relationships and getting closer to them. Embrace the danger and the consequences that follow Jesus. That's the only true option we need, that, that we have when we're following Jesus. And it would not be my desire that you would walk away from this sermon being, ah, oh, man, the consequences for following Jesus are, is dangerous. So that's, that's what I get, you know, for the consequences. I don't want you to think in terms of consequences. I want you to be more or less thinking in terms of believing that it's a desire and an honor that we are blessed to experience the danger for God. That we are actually blessed to be a blessing. God didn't need to shower gifts because he, because he just loves you. He, he, he showered you with gifts so that you could use those gifts and, and think in terms of going outward 
to reaching the people who are sitting next to you every day. When Abraham was uh, receiving the blessings of God, uh, the three main blessings he, he gave him were um, land. You'll have lots of land. Number two, you will have um, lots of descendants. You will be the father of many nations. Abrahim. Ab, meaning father. Abba. Abra, of many. Him, nations. Father of many nations. This very name speaks of that very blessing. But then the last blessing we sort of skim over, which is, and nations, and all the nations will be blessed through you. So we are, in turn, blessed to be a blessing. And that sort of makes a whole lot of sense when you think in terms of, when you think of biblical terms. However, take a good look at the North American church. How are we blessing not only maybe our own church, our community, but how are we blessing to the ends of the world? 15,000 children will die today because of lack of nutrition. How are we being a blessing to them? How are we reaching out? The same God who called Peter out of the boat is now, called, is now calling you out of your comfort zone. Maybe out of your workplace, or maybe even out of the country. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you and worship you for the incredible blessings that you have given us. And uh, Lord God, let us not take them lightly, but Lord, help us to just be a living sacrifice. Help us to, to build relationships, to, to, to be so incredibly infatuated with you, to learn more about you, and then as a result of that, return that worship in... Uh, and living a life where we will reach out, out of our comfort zone, into the danger that, that exists out there, Lord. Whether that means, you know, connecting with a person you usually don't connect with. Whether it means um, paying for the person at Tim Hortons uh, who's uh, behind you in the drive-thru. Whether it's whatever. But we do these because we're compelled to through the love that you've given us, Lord God. So, Lord, help us to, to, to live in action and not just mere words. Help us to take what you say seriously and help us to just follow you and, um, and not, not be so... Re- um, help us not to just consider the consequences, but Lord, help us to just be, be fixed on, on your, your will for our lives and the, and the love that you, that you continually bless us with. We pray these things in your holy, precious name. Amen.